It seems to me as if not only the form, but the soul of man was made to walk erect and look upon the stars. Edward Bulwer-Lytton Man's time here is finite, but the influence of a man is infinite. The question is what shall we do with the daylight that remains? Guys, here we go again. Thank you for showing up. To those of you who are longtime listeners, I appreciate your support and for sharing and helping us reach a broader audience. And to those of you who are new, thank you for coming. It's been a lot of fun to see the growth. In fact, uh, last week we hit number 30 on Apple Podcasts top charts. And we're ha- happy to have you as part of the community. So welcome and thank you. Um, also, with the new year uh, kicking off, As you probably know by now, I am a big fan of New Year's resolutions. I like to look back on the year and see what I accomplished out of the goals that I set. And I like to set different kinds of goals. I think there's destination goals and lifestyle goals. And the lifestyle goals tend to take you farther, in my opinion. But it's also fun to have a target to shoot for, right? And so as I look back on my goals and I I see how many I hit. In fact, I had like eight different categories. I hit every single one except for, unfortunately, my relationship goals. I did not do as much there as I had planned. So that's going to stay on the dock there. And I'll be, I'll be working on that again this year. But the other ones, it's fun to see like how, you know, maybe the first six months, it was a, a struggle to make some of these things a part of my life. But Q3, Q4, they've become a solidified normal routine in my life. And that's the kind of thing that you want to do is be able to look back and go, how did I change? And clearly see I changed in these these ways. And so uh, if you are interested in my short little ebook that is called Ingrained Three Steps to Achieve Any Goal, uh, that is on the website, bronsonwilkes.com. Go over to the store and purchase that book. It costs less than $4. So um, go grab that. It's a nice little guide to help you set your goals and get on the right track. Uh, a lot of information on the wiring of the brain, the reasons people fail at setting goals or completing their goals, why they fall short or give up, and then how to avoid those pitfalls and set goals in the best way possible. So go over to the bronsonwilkes.com and grab that. Now, going back to the podcast, I feel like we had three or four episodes that were really, really exciting for me, good books, good topics. And I was hoping to keep that momentum and start 2023 out with a bang. Unfortunately, that is not the case. Uh, today, we're talking about Wild at Heart, written by John Eldridge. He's also the author of Journey of Desire and the co-author of the sacred romance. And this book to me felt much like a romance novel or a soap opera for men. And I could not do it. I got around halfway through and I gave up. I can't, I can't keep going. It's, it's too much for me. Now I will say that I actually agree with a lot of the ideas he's trying to make. (laughs) So let me read you some of the intro or the descriptions, and then I'll get into a few of the highlights, and, and then I'll, I'll leave it at that for you guys to decide whether this is for you or not. But um, 
like I said, it just just felt a little too romance novely to me, even though it's it's intended to be uh, basically pulling at the hearts of men and saying, you know, you may feel sort of down or suppressed or kind of tamed. And when your real desire is to be out in nature and be wild and be free and to sort of live on the edge at times. And he's got some of those sentiments in here, but I I didn't love the approach. So let's jump in here. He says, every man was once a boy and every little boy has dreams, big dreams, dreams of being the hero, of beating the bad guys, of doing daring feats and rescuing the damsel in distress. Every little girl has dreams, too, of being rescued by her prince and swept up into a great adventure, knowing that she is the beauty. But what happens to those dreams when we grow up, walk into most churches, have a look around and ask yourself, what is a Christian man? Without listening to what is said, look at what you find there. Most Christian men are bored. In Wild at Heart, John Eldridge invites men to recover their masculine heart, defined in the image of a passionate God, and he invites women to discover the secret of a man's soul and to delight in the strength and wildness men were created to offer. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to laugh at it, but uh, it just, you get my vibe, right? So let's jump into some of the, the uh, highlights that I I found interesting or helpful here. He says, the adventure with all its requisite danger and wildness is a deeply spiritual longing written into the soul of man. The masculine heart needs a place where nothing is prefabricated, modular, non-fat, ziplock, franchised, online, microwavable, where there are no deadlines, cell phones, or committee meetings, where there is room for the soul, where finally the geography around us corresponds to the geography of our heart. Now, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I constantly talk about getting outside, being physically active, doing things that are a little bit less organized or comfortable or things like that, right? The idea is spot on. Get yourself into somewhere that your brain is stimulated, your body is stimulated, the geography is rugged, uh, you do things with your hands, you get dirt, you smell the air, you smell the trees, you you hear animals and see animals and, uh, right, go out camping and hiking and things like that. I think it, it frees the soul and there's freedom there. So what he's getting at is I think truly, truly spot on. Westward expansion against the soul. The way a man's life unfolds nowadays tends to drive his heart into remote regions of the soul. Endless hours at a computer screen, selling shoes at the mall, Meetings, memos, phone calls. The business world where the majority of American men live and die requires a man to be efficient and punctual. Corporate policies and procedures are designed with one aim. To harness a man to the plow and make him produce. But the soul refuses to be harnessed. It knows nothing of day timers and deadlines and P&L statements. The soul longs for passion, for freedom, for life. As D.H. Lawrence said, I am not a mechanism. A man needs to feel the rhythms of the earth. He needs to have in hand something real, the tiller of a boat, a set of reins, the roughness of rope, or simply a shovel. Can a man live all his days to keep his fingernails clean and trim? Is that what a boy dreams of? Society at large can't make up its mind about men. Having spent the last 30 years redefining masculinity into something more sensitive, safe, manageable, and, well, feminine. It now berates men for not being men. 
Boys will be boys, they sigh, as though if a man were to truly grow up, he would forsake wilderness and wanderlust and settle down, be at home forever in Aunt Polly's parlor, where all are real men. Is regular fare for talk shows and new books. You ask them to be women, I want to say. The result is a gender confusion never experienced at such a wide level in the history of the world. How can a man know he is one when his highest aim is minding his manners? <laughs> Moving on to the section, he says, an invitation, and he's basically saying that men kind of have these desires to wrestle and fight and struggle, you know, uh, some are attracted to military life, things like that. He says, in the heart of every man is a desperate desire for a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. So it feels a little Disney-esque, but I think that that's mostly true for a lot of men. Little boys yearn to know they are powerful, they are dangerous, they are someone to be reckoned with. How many parents have tried in vain to prevent little Timmy from playing with guns? Give it up. If you do not supply a boy with weapons, he will make them from whatever materials are at hand. My boys chew their graham crackers into the shapes of handguns at the breakfast table. Every stick or fallen branch is a spear, or better, a bazooka. Despite what many modern educators would say, this is not a psychological disturbance brought on by violent television or chemical imbalance. Aggression is part of the masculine design. We are hardwired for it. I don't disagree. Um, I, my entire life, loved wrestling and fighting my brother and playing with guns and pretending to have guns. And I still play with guns and <laughs> have a great time with it. And I show my kids guns and take them out shooting. And we all have a great time. I think the desire to wrestle and play rough and kind of dabble with some some danger or some excite you know those things that are a bit more exciting or on the edge it's desirable it's fun it's it's it ignites the soul in certain ways and and so you know i think he's he's on to something Moving on, an adventure to live. Adventure is written into the heart of man and it's not just about having fun. Adventure requires something of us, puts us to the test. Though we may fear the test, at the same time, we yearn to be tested, to discover that we have what it takes. He goes on to just talk about how little boys sort of challenge their their fathers as well, right? Like, that's the standard, and, and do I measure up yet? And, I mean, literally, today, we're out playing in the snow, and my son, just he just wanted to to wrestle me and fight. And he's like, beat me up, dad. And he's like running into me. And, uh, he, he wants to test himself and see like where he measures up with his old man. Right. And I did the same thing. Most kids do the same thing. We, we love that rough play to see just, just how we measure up. And, you know, potentially it's buried in the fact that for as long as man has existed, there's been wars and you had to, Fight for what's yours, both from animals and natural disasters and other people, right? And so understanding just how strong you are, how you measure up, what you might be able to do, where your weaknesses are, uh, that's valuable information in a, in a difficult world. I think in modern day society, we've kind of gotten away from that. And we think that, you know, maybe war is not going to come to us anymore, that it's fought with drones and guns and not so much with physical strength. So uh, kind of confusing in today's world to, to think of that, especially during peacetime. But I think for most of the world's, most of the people that have ever lived on earth, that was, that was more of a reality. 
He says, it's not just that a man needs a battle to fight. He needs someone to fight for. Uh, when I had kids, that became like the biggest purpose I ever had in life, right? Is to make sure that they had a good life, that I was treating them well, raising them well, teaching them well. And um, it sort of changed the projection of my life. I love adventure. I love all kinds of sports, being active, working hard, doing all these things. But when I had kids, it was like I became laser focused on like, how can I have as much time as possible with them and live well with them, teach them well, protect them, provide for them? And and uh, so, you know, I agree with that. He frequently refers to like statements in the Bible. He talks about the Adam and Eve story or different different stories from the Bible and and sort of puts a spin on them. He compares Jesus to like William Wallace in Braveheart or uh, uses the Adam and Eve story to show how, you know, Adam was willing to basically sacrifice all for the woman and stuff. So uh, it's this romance novel combined with the Bible, but a new spin on it. And uh, he's. He's basically saying men want to be wild, free, and daring, but they want to have a beauty to chase. And um, he goes through a lot of things. So I'll give you a few of the topics. Chapter three is titled, The Question That Haunts Every Man. And he has a quote from Albert Schweitzer that says, The tragedy of life is what dies inside a man while he lives. Another quote, He begins to die that quits his desires, George Herbert. The section in chapter three, the lion of Judah, a man is fierce, passionate, wild at heart. You wouldn't know it from what normally walks around in a pair of trousers. If a man is in the image of the lion of Judah, how come there are so many lonely women, so many fatherless children, so few women around? Why is it that the world seems filled with caricatures of masculinity? There's the guy who lives behind us. He spends his entire weekend in front of the tube watching sports while his sons play outside without him. We've lived there nine years, and I think I've seen him play with his boys maybe twice. What's with that? Why won't he engage? And the guy the next street over, who races motorcycles and drives a huge truck and wears a leather jacket and sort of swaggers when he walks? I thought James Dean died years ago. What's with him? It looks manly, but it seems cartoonish, overdone. How come when men look in their hearts, they don't discover something valiant and dangerous, but instead find anger, lust, and fear? Most of the time, I feel more fearful than I do fierce. Why is that? It was 150 years ago that Thoreau wrote, The mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation, and it seems nothing has changed. As the line from Braveheart has it, all men die, few men ever really live, and so most women lead lives of quiet resignation, having given up on their hope for a true man. So he tells some of his own personal stories, uh, stories of people he sees, right? A man's deepest question. When he was told to go saddle up the horse and get the cow that had escaped back into its corral and do it by himself at kind of a young age, you know, he felt like, wow, both terrified and super proud that his his dad or grandpa or somebody had had the confidence that he could do such a big thing at that age. And, you know, those sort of rites of passage of young boys turning into men and starting to do things independently, uh, sometimes dangerous things, sometimes carrying some mantle of responsibility and 
and done with the permission of someone they respect and look up to. So, um, some interesting things from that angle, right? Where you're saying, okay, I have a boy that's turning from a young kid into a teenager and then into a, a man. How do I navigate that? How do I teach and lead and uh, help sort of provide some of those moments, those rites of passage, if you will, and help them take these steps or leaps between different stages in their life? The wounds affect Every man carries a wound. I've never met a man without one. No matter how good your life may have seemed to you, you live in a broken world full of broken people. Your mother and father, no matter how wonderful, couldn't have been perfect. She is a daughter of Eve and he is a son of Adam. So there is no crossing through this country without taking a wound. And every wound, whether it's assaultive or passive, delivers with it a message. The message feels final and true, absolutely true, because it is delivered with such force. Our reaction to it shapes our personality in very significant ways. From that flows the false self. Most of the men you meet are living out a false self, a pose, which is directly related to his wound. Let me try to make this clear. The message delivered with my wound, my father disappearing into his own battles, was simply this. You are on your own, John. There is no one in your corner no one to show you the way, and above all, no one to tell you if you are or are not a man. The core question of your soul has no answer and can never get one. What does a boy do with that? First, I became an unruly teen. I got kicked out of school, had a police record. We often misunderstand that behavior as adolescent rebellion, but those are cries for involvement, for engagement. Even after God's dramatic rescue of me at the age of 19 when I became a Christian, the wound remained. As my dear friend Brent said, becoming a Christian doesn't necessarily fix things. My arrows were still lodged deep and refused to allow some angry wounds inside to heal. So anyway, that gives you a, a sense of what the book is like. He he refers to some biblical things. He He's trying to flip a lot of the script on its head and say, look, Christians are supposed to be strong, powerful, bold, and, and fierce, that Jesus is like William Wallace, that the story of Adam and Eve is in us all that we want a woman to rescue and that we'll sacrifice much for her and that women want strong men that are courageous and dangerous and daring. And um, so the book is, I mean, in one sense, like the richest man in ba Babylon, it's bringing in a lot of other story to try and teach principles, which I, you know, sometimes like. Uh, this particular one feels more like a romance novel. And so if, if that's something that, that would appeal to you, then this is probably a great book for you. Um, you know, personally, I like the brain science books and things like that. So uh, moving on to the next one for me, but uh, that gives you a taste of what's in Wild at Heart. Of course, the concepts are interesting right now because, you know, there's this massive war on gender right now, right? It's like, you know, what are the real boundaries of gender and uh, what's a man and what's a woman and what should a man be in today's modern society and things. So, uh, you know, maybe this spurs some interest for you, but uh, this is Wild at Heart, Discovering the Secret of a Man's Soul, written by John Eldridge. So I'll put the link below if you want to purchase this book. And uh, I thank you guys for showing up. Next week, we're actually going to talk about a book called Grit. And I have already 
been enjoying that one. So uh, looking forward to that one next week. So I appreciate you guys showing up and we'll catch you on the next one. Adios. Hey, thanks for listening to the entire episode. As a token of gratitude, I want to give you a discount on my book, Ingrained. Head over to bronsonwilkes.com store and download Ingrained for less than a dollar with the coupon code GOALS, G-O-A-L-S.